Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. And we are recording. We are recording. It's a day of endless Zooming. We are Zooming all over, aren't zoom, we? Zoom, zoom. Aren't Brutal. We? My fellow editors. I'm getting a-, a suntan from my iPad screen. Just the <laughs> radiation coming off my iPad screen. It's like a total eclipse of the iMac. <laughs> Don't look at it directly, Joe. Get the glass. Yes. <laughs> We're back. Everyone all right today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, except for, you know, it, it is endorsement season. And so we are in the midst of just a steady stream of endorsement interviews. And it's it's tough. It's a really uh, tough time of year. Well, let's do our intros and uh, then we'll launch right into endorsements. Um, so that was Bill Sutton that we heard first up. Hey, Bill. Hey, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. Also here is Brendan O'Reilly. Hi, Brendan. Hi, Annette. Hi, everybody. My name is Brendan. I am the deputy managing editor. And Joe Shaw's also with us this week. Hi, Joe. Yep, I'm Joe Shaw. I'm the executive editor. I'm Annette Hinkle. I'm the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. And as Joe sort of alluded to, um, it is endorsement season. We have a lot of elections coming up this year, and we've, um, in the last few days, been meeting fast and furious with Republicans and Democrats and all sorts of people who are looking to get new jobs or perhaps renew their old ones. And these are four members of the of the editorial board right here. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We are. So we haven't gotten, we haven't sat down to find out who we want for what, but um, Joe, do you want to talk about this process and why it's pretty much a vital part of what we do every October? Well, not every October, but in election year, October's. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by this and I thought it would make a good topic for conversation because it brings up, I think a lot of people have opinions about this out there. And one of the things that kind of drives me crazy is when uh, people say, well, why is the newspaper telling me who to vote for? And that's not really what an endorsement is. I feel like endorsements are, you know, on the editorial page of the newspaper, we give our informed opinion about the issues. And we do that on all kinds of issues. And I think it's kind of silly not to do that in an election. And when we take the time to sit down with candidates and talk with them, and we provide sort of a, of a, of an opinion that says, well, you know, we've sat down and talked with the candidates and this is who we liked the best. We're not telling anybody to vote. It doesn't, doesn't say, so you need to vote for them. It's just our opinion. And it's part of what I think everybody should fold into their preparation before they cast a vote. But I, I, I just feel pretty strongly that that it's not it's not meant to be. What's what's the what's the difference between that and a news story, though, Joe, just to be devil's advocate. And I like that we endorse candidates. But, you know, if you write an informed right. news story on the candidates and describe their positions on issues um, facing their their district or their municipality, whatever they're they're running for. What's the difference between that and an endorsement? Then, if you're saying an endorsement isn't 
telling people who to vote. I think it's exactly, I, I think you're right. The most important thing we do is provide basic information through news stories about candidates so people can make their decisions that way. I think it's just like if we're talking about affordable housing, we would do an insightful news story about that so that you can form an opinion. Then we might comment about it ourselves where we draw some conclusions and we've asked some questions and, and we, we make connections that maybe we wouldn't feel comfortable making in a news story. Um, it's just another, it's a parallel track of information. Um, and I, I guess it's, it's a matter of branding. I just don't see, I really genuinely don't see it as uh, this is, we're saying, hey, everybody, vote for this person. It's, you know, we've looked at it and this is the person that we are most impressed with. But a lot of times, and I can sort of say that I think this will be one of them. We haven't made a decision in any of the races yet. But I know at least one of the races has us really perplexed because we're really, really struggling to make a choice. And because we're impressed by all the candidates. And, and yeah, race. yeah. Well, want to add that other times there are races where there might be a candidate in the race that is just not qualified, um, doesn't have a grasp of the issues at all. Sometimes they might just be a filler candidate because one party or the other didn't want to leave a vacancy on the ballot. And I do think it is important that we inform the public like, hey, this person has no business being your next state assemblyman or state senator or whatever it is. And to tell people like it would be a mistake to throw out a qualified incumbent with a good record and replace them with somebody who is only on the ballot because they're hoping that you're only looking at party affiliation and you're not going to be looking at who that candidate actually is. Yeah. And, and we can tell you that and give you that opinion, but it's up to you to decide whether or not you still want to cast that vote uh, based on a party line vote or um, if our opinion carries any weight. I, I don't, you know, I just think it's part of the conversation and I think it's a key part of the conversation. That I, and I really think, newspapers in particular that don't endorse candidates out of some odd sense of pride. I, I just don't get that. I feel like it's abdicating a responsibility. I think we have a responsibility to, to treat this like every other issue we cover, which is we give you the news coverage of it, but we also take some time to try and absorb it and give you some intelligent commentary and opinion about it. I mean, the fact is, is, like, unless you're really engaged, you don't have a lot of opportunity to get to know your candidates so much, you know, and I think that there are probably are, I know that there are people that wait until our endorsements come out and then they just take the paper into the voting booth with them. And I'm not a huge fan of that, by the way. I, 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 I would not, I don't want that, I don't want us as an editorial right. board to necessarily have that kind of responsibility. I, I wish people would use it as just another tool. Um, mm -hmm. as, the, as they look at the candidates. But I know with local races in particular, you're right. Not everybody has a chance to sit down and, and talk with the candidates. And we do um, for the races that we do. You know, it's interesting this year, we're going to do the town races and we're going to do the county legislature races um, just because it's just a, a matter of logistics. We're leaving out a lot of races that, that it's unfortunate. I think we've been talking among ourselves that we'd really love to be able to endorse in the county executive race. Um, and I, I don't know, and we're sort of having this conversation actively, 
I don't know that we should do an endorsement because we haven't sat down with the two candidates. Um, and, and I feel like sitting down with the candidates is important. Uh, we also take into consideration debates and, and some of the other things that happened during the campaign. But I feel like sitting down with the candidates face-to-face -face or on Zoom, we've, we've started to do that by Zoom just because it's easier for everybody. Um, I, I don't think there's any replacing that. You get a little more information that way. We have had times where we've foregone the endorsement interviews and just went straight to watching the debate. And by watching, you're doing both parts. You're both moderating the debate and watching it. But there might be a debate where uh, all the editors are going to go back and, and watch that and study it and make a really informed opinion on who's going to be the best candidate uh, based on something uh, like them actually hashing out the issues in a public forum, sitting side by side with their opponent. So sometimes I think the debates can be uh, a better endorsement tool than the endorsement interview, because you really are contrasting the candidates side by side. That's interesting. It's good when we have both. And you're right, especially during the pandemic and after the pandemic, we were sort of forced to, we, we just sort of combined our endorsement interviews and the debate um, which I think you're right, Brendan. It's it's an interesting conversation about the differences between an endorsement interview where you're talking to each candidate individually and a debate where you have them both there together. We've also experimented with doing endorsement interviews with both candidates in the room. Um, I think everybody has their own preference about which way is best. I, I think sometimes too, though, the endorsement interviews, um, which the editorial board has with a candidate without the presence of a reporter. Um, it's typically mostly off the record stuff. And I think sometimes you get some responses that way that you might not get in a debate or or even um, in an interview with, with a reporter that you may have some insight into um, why a candidate has come to a certain conclusion or um, or whatever, or difficulties that they've had, you know, along the campaign trail that might help um, help us make a decision on on who to endorse. And and so I think that um, occasionally that can be a good tool. I have a question for everybody. I'm interested. What red flags are there that make you the most hesitant to endorse somebody? For me, it's when the candidate says. Um, I'm not sure how to solve that yet. I'll have to wait until I get elected and get in there and see how it works. Or, or um, along the same lines that, you know, they, they don't give you a, a straight answer to a question and kind of defer to a, to a different issue, um, which, which implies that they really haven't studied the, right. the issue that you're asking the question about. I will punish a candidate who says, I, I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. I won't punish that. I, I think it's an honest answer, but I think that that depending on what the issue is, you shouldn't be running for office if you don't have some answer to some questions. I mean, or if you haven't been to a single board meeting, which we've seen quite a bit in certain jurisdictions where someone's running and they have not once appeared at a board meeting, um, yet they want to be up there at the front of the Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. I, I feel like if you want the job, you should be 
applying for the job. And part of that is, you know, I, I think you should know what the issues are. Uh, I think personally, it's the hardest endorsements can be school board because I don't feel like there's a lot of opportunity to get to know those candidates as much. I don't know if you guys feel that way, but I've often felt that school board is one of those things where you get, I don't know, just that you, you get people coming up. There's so many people that are often running for school board um, and that they, you may not have much of a sense of them in the community. Cause it's also like the first time a lot of people run for anything. Um, and I find that they're the hardest to get to know. I find, but. We, we haven't endorsed school board for a while for that reason. I think that we, you know, I think we started to wonder whether, endorsement interviews for school board candidates was really effective because it's a different it's a different thing you're not you're not putting somebody on a political board exactly in those cases although it gets political these days you know yeah, yeah. they're not running for a paid position either yeah. i mean right. those are all all volunteers and you've got to respect anybody that that has a desire to to volunteer to serve on a on a school board oh my god <laughs> And locally, we haven't been um, infiltrated by the political streak that we're seeing other school boards in other states. Yeah. And I do think part of that is our school boards are very local. You know, the Southampton School District, the Tuckahoe School District, it, it's small districts. It's not like some of these other states where you have a county board yeah. Yeah. serving your entire county. Like, you know, imagine if Suffolk County just had one school board. Uh, then you know you would hear us doing endorsements. I think that's Definitely. true. Yeah, I think we would we would definitely do that. I should explain to people too. Um, and this was actually a, a question that came up the other day among us, which is um, our our policy has always been that our entire editorial board, which is the four of us plus our co-publishers, um, Gavin and Georgie Manu. Um, our policy has always been at the press, and I think we'll I, we are carrying it forward now since the merger. It has to be a unanimous choice, and that may surprise people, but I think what we do is everybody has a veto, and we have this for editorials in general, that, that if we write an editorial, any of the six members of the editorial board can veto that editorial and say, no, I'm not comfortable with that. And that's all you need. What we have to do then is find a way to say it that we can all sign off on, that we, that we have to find a compromise that works. And when it comes to candidates, it's a little tougher, obviously, because you're making a binary choice in most cases. And we have to come to, and we, I think we do disagree on candidates all the time. It's, it's an active conversation that we have, but we, we always come to who is the person we, we can all feel most comfortable with and how can we phrase that endorsement to make that clear? I mean, it's, you know, that, I think that's how we do it. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Cordoraro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, Providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com 27 Speaks is brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books. Independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sag Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton. They buy books, collections, libraries, individual titles. Very easy process. They handle everything. Do you have books to sell? 
Call or email today or visit SouthamptonSagHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations, including office positions. The phrasing is, is exactly what I wanted to ask you next, which is we have measured endorsements, right? There are levels of enthusiasm in our endorsements. So you don't just want to look at what name is bold in that endorsement on the editorial page. Read what we say around it, because there are times where we'll say like, absolutely, this is the pick. You know, the other person is not fit for the position. And then there's other times where we say like, hey, it was very close, but this person came out on top. So if you yourself are feeling on the fence and you get the sense that it was um, a close decision by our editorial board too, keep that in mind when you make your own decision. Absolutely. I think that's what it goes down to. And I think sometimes that's how we get to a consensus as well among, uh, you know, uh, among our editorial board is if you have, you know, two members of the board have differing um picks as as to who to support i think when when we can talk about that measured support and still um you know saying some some good things about you know about the other candidate we may endorse one candidate um but be able to say good things about the other candidate as well i think sometimes that's how we compromise and um and and get to an endorsement if we initially kind of disagree on who who we want to endorse so are there times when we feel like we are struggling because we don't feel like we have enough information to endorse, like we don't know the candidates well enough, or we feel like we need to like do some external reading to clarify? I think we do that from time to time. And sometimes we we will we will sometimes parcel out that and be like, you know, I'll go do some extra research and come back and try and provide that information to everybody. Brendan does that. Bill does that. Um, but I, I think we usually, I feel like we are the, uh, we're the substitute for the voters. The voters have to make a decision and they have to make it oftentimes without a lot of information and they have to, to do it. And, and so I feel like we should make the decision in the same way. We get a little more, uh, insight by sitting down and talking with the candidates. But uh, I think if we're not sure, we try and reflect that in the editorial. And, and I think, you know, it's it's absolutely true that we, we run the gamut from, we will be honest when we are really split between candidates. And again, I think there's one race in particular this year where we'll have to, we'll have to strive to make it very clear that it, that it's going to be a real struggle for us. We're genuinely sort of right in the middle right now trying to make a choice other times and and i you know i think back brendan to right after uh with with lee zeldon and some of the races that he ran in particular uh, you know I, I think we were a little stronger and there were reasons for that we we saw real red flags um and i think we tried to make that clear too so it, it is about a lot of it is about context with the editorials. I should tell you an anecdote too. I, I, I always love this anecdote that when you talk about, we all have to agree on an endorsement. I can remember a few years ago, and it was quite a few years ago now, 15 or so years ago, uh, we were sort of struggling to come up with, there were a couple of candidates for a town board race 
and we were sort of struggling with who to pick and we settled on two candidates and okay, we've settled on that. And so we, we, we went back to sort of put the endorsement editorials together. And the next morning, Joe Lockheim, who was our publisher came in and said, I want to have another quick sit down and brought us all together and, and made a passionate case for one of the other town board members that we were the candidates that we were considering that he said, look, I thought about it overnight. And when I came and he, and he gave this impassioned, this is why we should endorse this person. And we all said, wow, okay, that's actually pretty well argued. And since we were sort of lukewarm to begin with, we all sort of said, sure. Okay. And we didn't feel bullied into that decision or anything like that. We all just sort of said, yeah, you make a good case. Let's, let's make it. And so we switched and we endorsed that person. This is Catherine Manu, and I'm the editor of the Sag Harbor Express and co-publisher with my husband, Gavin, of the Express News Group. Local community news matters more than ever, with misinformation spreading constantly across the internet. We live in the communities we cover. We are your neighbors, your friends, your family. We tell the good stories and, unfortunately, the bad. We focus on your triumphs and losses. But we can't do this without our subscribers. To subscribe, please visit 27east.com slash subscribe. And thank you for your support. There are times where we will recommend that a certain candidate who we did not endorse comes back in two years or, you know, whenever the next cycle is. Sometimes it could be that somebody's just very young and inexperienced, even though they have the enthusiasm and they have good ideas, we would like to see them have some more experience than just run for a high office without having ever held local office, yeah. right? So sometimes those endorsements, they might say like, we don't think you deserve this job, but we think it's great that you're here and you should come back. I think I've developed a reputation for being the go sit on the ZBA guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm the guy who always is like, go go do a term on the ZBA, then come back. I'm, I, I admit to being sort of like that, that I feel like a lot of people decide they want to run for, for something and they, they run for town board or they run for town supervisor and they've never done a, a, a moment of service in town hall. And I feel like, hey, you probably should do your, uh, do your boot camp before you're ready to run for one of those offices. But I think that's a good recommendation because these people are, are very, usually, typically very passionate about wanting to serve the public. And, and you want the, to encourage them to serve the public, but you want to gently tell them, maybe you're not ready for um, to be town supervisor, but, uh, you know, but yeah, take that passion and do something with it. Yeah, there's definitely a learning curve. I can imagine that's a pretty complicated position to jump into, you know. And you got to learn the dynamics of being on a, an elected board, which is a, a unique thing. Yeah. yeah. Although, I, how do you feel about candidates who have worked behind the scenes, maybe have been assistants to previous supervisors? I mean, I would think those people really come, even though they haven't been on the board per se, probably come with a really good background knowledge of how these. I think that goes to what Brendan was saying, that there are other ways to yeah. get that. Yeah background. And I think that's true. I think you can get that by, you don't have to be necessarily on an appointed or an elected board. Um, you've done your time, basically. Um, there are ways to do that. I, I also, so the, the big 
the elephant in the room. So are we a, a, a Republican or a Democratic paper? That was going to be my question to you. Do you get a lot of criticism that you're just catering to one party or another and you're too partisan in our endorsements? We've been called everything from hyper-conservative to communist, so. Oh, there we go. So we're doing something right. <laughs> it's true. And and I, I can say with a straight face and absolute um, confidence that we do not especially when we're talking about local races, which is all we really do, mm -hmm. we look at candidates. We don't look at parties, and and we are actually very strongly. Do we ever? Do we ever though look at at the makeup of a board or the potential makeup of a board and and decide that we want to, if if all things are equal between candidates, um, that that we want to encourage a, a mixed board. Um, so, so that there's more conversation. Yeah, I think that's something we will take into consideration as a dynamic, especially on something like village boards, which, by the way, on those, the fact that there are party dynamics, I find just ludicrous because there should not be party dynamics on a village board. Right. There really shouldn't be on a town board either. But I guess to some degree you expect that. But yeah, I, I sincerely believe that and I think if you go back and look at our newspapers over the past 20 years plus, I, I think we've endorsed both parties relatively equally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, it, it does feel odd to have these party lines at the really local level, you know, because yeah. I remember somebody first when they first moved to Sag Harbor. Um, they couldn't believe that the Sag Harbor Express endorsed Fred Thiel because he was a Republican at that time. We're like, at that time. like, do you know anything <laughs> about Fred Thiel? You know, and it was just so funny because this is somebody coming from a probably a larger metropolitan area where that kind of stuff matters. But um, so I had to explain to her that, well, no, it doesn't, doesn't the parties don't really work that way out here, but of course, Fred Thiel wasn't a Republican much longer after that. Um, well, same but, thing with Jay um, Schneiderman, too, because Jay Schneiderman was a Republican, and then, he, then he was an independent caucusing with the Democrats. And we've had trustees do that, too. We've had trustees change parties. Uh, th you know, those are the, the town trustees that um, regulate the Bay Bottoms, not village trustees. And you'll notice that the endorsements follow the candidates. The endorsements don't follow the party. We've never punished a candidate for switching party. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true. And and we occasionally, when we do endorsement interviews, sometimes out of necessity, we'll bring people in uh, who are on a slate. Like we'll, we'll, we'll like, for instance, we we've are interviewing town board candidates, the Republicans together and the Democrats together just out of necessity, because we really don't have time to do individual interviews with every single candidate. But we do talk with them individually and we consider them individually, too. Um, I, I'm curious, has everybody here been involved when we've brought in, uh, for instance, if there's a supervisor race, we've brought in the two candidates at the same time and, and done an endorsement interview. Have, have you all been part of that when we've done that? I can't, I don't know if I sat in on one like that. Yeah, I, I did. I, I'm not a fan of that for an endorsement interview. If you want to have a debate, have a debate. And yeah, and the debates are kind of performative. I do feel like if you have them both in the room, it just 
you know, I think they see it more as like a jousting competition than maybe being a little bit more honest, but I have, yeah. So I kind of agree with that. Cause I mean, how many debates have you covered or gone to where it's like, oh my gosh, it's just, you know, like showing off or getting in those zinger one-liners or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, sometimes people are better. um, Sometimes people are better board members than they are debaters so it does help to see them that way too even though i know i said before that seeing them side by side helps you compare um sometimes somebody might seem meek on a debate but actually seem very articulate and knowledgeable and full of good ideas in an endorsement i think that's absolutely true and and debates really intimidate people um Mm -hmm. there are a lot of really good people who are just not very good at at that kind of thing and and really shouldn't should it shouldn't affect people as much because it's the same thing as having an endorsement interview but it does make a difference and and we try to take that into consideration i mean these are local races and and um you know people get nerves and and it uh it can it can be problematic for them to get their message across i think we have to try and see behind that but it's hard i I'll, i'll say this i i think we rarely we try very hard I think to not be, uh, uh, what's the word? I, I don't want to. I wouldn't go so far as insulting. We don't. We try not to be hypercritical of candidates for the most part, and I think that that's a sliding scale. That's more so as you get down to the more local races, because I feel like anybody who's taken the time to run deserves respect, and and we can tell you in no uncertain terms that we think one candidate is better than the other without, without, uh, you know, tearing somebody up. I don't, I don't feel like we need to do that. As I mentioned before, some of those candidates are placeholders and not true candidates. We've had people who have run multiple times for all sorts of positions who will not pick up the phone to do a candidate profile with a reporter or to do an endorsement interview and they don't actually campaign they don't show up for debates and i think those times like we have been dismissive i mean it doesn't take more than a sentence to dismiss them because it's not like they have a platform to criticize they're literally just there so there's not a blank space on the ballot because they couldn't come up with a good challenger mm-hmm. and bill you know I'm, i've always been fond of the late great harriet sanchez who was just the opposite when Harriet would come in, she was a Democratic stalwart and she would run for different positions. And when she would come in for her endorsement interview, she would come in for town board and she'd say, here's why I am the best person to run for town board and meant every second. And then the next time around, here's why I am the best person to run for town trustee. And she could make a very good case for herself. And I always really respected that. She, she had a lot of belief in herself. She took it seriously. She did. She was ready to take that position. I mean, you know, if she got the vote. I'm not sure if we ever endorsed her. I don't think we did. Yeah. We may not have, but I had a lot of respect for Harriet for for being willing to come in and, and make the case like that. I thought it was great. Did she ever win? Did she ever win a position? No. Um, I don't think she won an elected position. I could be wrong about that. And I'm sure somebody will correct me if if I am. No question about that. I have a tough question. Actually, I'll phrase it as a statement. And it's a controversial statement. But you know what? This is a podcast and we need to make a little headlines. And I'm going to make a controversial statement out loud for the first time. I have 
in some instances, not voted for the people we have endorsed. Well, I've heard you say this before, so it's not your first time saying it out loud. Well, it's only to you, though. I don't say it to anybody uh -huh. outside the newsroom, but I'm saying it to people outside the newsroom. Now, I have voted differently than our endorsements in the past. So that should tell you there that and that doesn't mean the endorsement wasn't sincere. Uh, but I may have a very different uh, set of guidelines for why I'm making a choice um, with my personal vote. And I would defend that. I think I think there's a lot of people that may get really upset in hearing that, but I would defend that. I think it's the difference between an editorial, an endorsement editorial, and my personal vote. Do you guys think I'm wrong for that? I think I, I know that I've done that where I've gone. But again, yeah, it's the board. I mean, an editorial board is making the decision. Mm -hmm. You may have gotten vetoed on your choice. That's true. I may have I may have agreed to a different. The board is not in the voting booth with you. So you can. <laughs> That's absolutely right. I may have felt more strongly. I was willing to compromise on the endorsement, but not on my individual. Vote. Along those same lines, I think it's interesting that we do endorse um candidates for municipal jurisdictions where none of us actually live i mean that mm. was always the case at the sag harbor express like um we you know i live in east hampton and um, there were like especially for village races not one of the reporters or editors who worked at the sag harbor express could afford to live in sag harbor village and none of us did so do you think that that's an issue at all that we're endorsing races where we may not have a horse in the race well I know for me, like I'm in Brookhaven, so I don't vote in any of these races except sometimes uh, county legislator, right? Mm -hmm. So I think when I give my endorsement or my contribution to the endorsement among our board, it helps me be objective that I don't have a horse in the race. Right. I don't have an ax to grind with any candidate. Um, I'm not endorsing somebody because they said they were going to do something really good on my block. Mm -hmm. So I don't have any self-interest in who I endorse in a village race or a town race for the Southampton press or the East Hampton press. I just meet these people and I say, that's the person um, with a good temperament for it. That's a person with good qualifications for it, with good ideas who understands the issues. Um, I asked about your red flags before. One of my biggest red flags is people who don't understand the issues and don't understand what's been tried. When they show up and they say like, this really needs to be looked at and we should try this. And I'm like, well, I've been reporting out here for you know maybe around 15 years and I could tell you that that's been investigated and I can tell you that that's been tried. I don't have to say that to their face in the middle of the endorsement interview, but when I'm making my recommendation, I know that somebody sat in front of us and kind of made themselves look foolish or, or just made themselves look like they haven't been paying attention and they just decided to run for office one day. So I, I think it helps that I don't have a horse in the race. Mm -hmm. hmm. That's an interesting take on that. I think it's necessary evil. It's what you said in that we, we just we don't live in all of our jurisdictions that we cover. So that's just another reason. It's not a vote. It's an, it's an opinion and it should be taken as such. But I think it's an informed opinion. We really take the time. Uh, we take this very seriously. Uh, we don't do it offhandedly. And uh, so I, 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 think it's, I think it's still valuable 
in a sense. So do we ever feel like the reporters bear the brunt of our endorsements? Like they're the ones who are going to the village or town board meetings and like, do they ever get the cold shoulder after the fact because of who's being endorsed, even though the reporters have, um, are not really the ones making the decision. I just wonder if they ever get the wrath. I suspect there's a little of that, but, uh, but I think most people, and, and I, I have to say, and <laughs> one of the things I've always pointed out is I'm not proud, I, you know, this doesn't make me happy to say out loud, but we've had two staff members or very close people to staff members run for office who didn't get our endorsement. Um, so it's tough and, and we have to be able, we have to hope that people understand that we're making choices a lot of times that, that are tough for us as well. Um, and I don't think people take it out too badly on the reporters and reporters have nothing to do with our endorsements, by the way, they, they're, we purposely exclude them from the conversations. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, they probably, and we get a little fallout sometimes too. Uh, there's always a little kickback after we announce our endorsements. Uh, but that's okay. It's part of the, part of the job. And I, I think as long as we're respectful in how we do it, uh, people, people get, get past it. So do we ever compare like with what other newspapers are endorsing and how similar or different our endorsements are? Um, just wondering if that, I mean, not that we can do anything about it after the fact, but just wondering if we care what, who the other papers endorse. I, I don't look. Mm -hmm. I sometimes will out of curiosity, but it's mostly just curiosity. Yeah. And a lot of um, times we don't but, agree with but, other papers, I've noticed. We've got yeah, direct and I don't think we, we allow that. To, we don't really take that into consideration. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough thing. I'll, I'll tell you this. I, one of my favorite endorsement editorial stories involves the late Vince Canusio, who I had a real love hate relationship with. And we actually decided one year that he was running unopposed and we wrote an endorsement in an editorial that said people should not vote for supervisor rather than to vote for him because there were some real issues that we were concerned about and we were upset that he didn't have a challenger. And in writing that endorsement, we said, uh, Vince Canusio clearly likes being supervisor a great deal and puts in a, a long day at work, but he doesn't deserve your vote and blah, blah, blah. And he promptly went on uh, local radio with an announcement that said listen to the Southampton press they say Vince Canusio loves being supervisor so you should vote for Vince Canusio listen to the press and <laughs> I had to sort of tip my hat to him that was uh creative that was creative so do we get that I mean along those lines do we also get I mean I've, I've seen that before where people accuse us of of taking positions based on advertising and who's pay, who's paying the the bills in the paper, which is also, I think, really funny. I just wonder, do you hear much about that? Like, you know, I, I imagine there's people out there that think that our endorsements are based on whoever takes the largest and most ads uh, for their campaigns. I sincerely never notice. Yeah. Uh, Joe, do you want to talk about the kiss of death? The kiss of death. When you get the Southampton Press endorsement, and gonna lose. Oh, <laughs> that used it certainly used to be true. It's sometimes I think that still goes around. It's the kiss of death. Oh, geez, we got the press oh, endorsement. Shit. That's the kiss of death. <laughs> I think it's I, I think it's completely 
I, I don't think it works either way. I don't think it gets you the job. I don't think it costs you the job. I think people still make their own minds up and mm -hmm. that's how it should be. I don't want to name names, but there was um, there was one candidate that came in that had run for um, was running for re-election and had also run for different positions and came in for an endorsement interview and was and pretty much said, I don't want your endorsement because I, you, you've never endorsed me and I've won every race that I, I've been in. So I, I think that um, there's a little of that going on. And how did it go from that year? Do you remember? Did they actually? I, I don't. If it's the person I'm thinking of, he's in office right now, so I don't want to. <laughs> I can say that we have never, we never endorsed Lee Zeldin, and he won every one of his races, yeah, well, except after the first one. We're dealing with a much larger population to our west with that one. For sure. Yes. We got some decisions to make, don't we? Yes, we have some decisions to make, and it's a busy week. All good. All right, everyone. We'll see you soon for another endorsement interview. Twenty Seven Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27east.com, and sagharborexpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.